Thanks, team. Good morning. Good Friday morning. Good morning, good Friday. It's good to see you. Mark Twain says that there are two things that shape us in life more than anything else, and they are beauty and affliction. Those moments of wonder and greatness and beauty that capture our hearts and those moments of affliction and trial and suffering and challenge. Good Friday has both. I believe Good Friday is the story of beauty in affliction. And I believe that this story today will both encourage you and hopefully challenge you as it has challenged me. Our theme is He Sees Me and I love Greg's design, although I have to admit it took me a couple of hours actually to realise what it said. (laughs) Um, I'm like... She, she, she's him, she, him, him, she. So I'm sorry, I'm a bit dyslexic or something, but I got it eventually, right? And that's, that's, that's the good creative element, right? I didn't get it straight away. Um, if I had known the theme was he sees me, then I would have got it straight away, I'm sure. So let me read you something poetic. I'm not a poet. But this is my poem. He sees me. He sees me when I'm in the dark. He sees me when I look away. He sees me when I am alone. He sees me in the crowd. He sees me when I turn my back. He sees me when I try, and he sees me when I fail. He sees me when I win. He sees me when I lose. He sees me when I can't see myself. He sees me when I can't even bear to look. He sees me in my victories. He sees me in my triumphs. He sees me when I love well. He sees me when I'm kind. He sees me when all I see is chaos. He sees me in my doubt. He sees me in my rebellion. He sees me when I don't understand. He sees me when I am afraid. He sees me in my pain. He sees me in my joy. He sees me when I get it wrong. He sees me before I ask him to look. He sees me when no one else does. Jesus, we commit this moment to you. And my prayer today is that through our worship, through our gathering, through communion, through your word, that we would 
feel seen. By our living Jesus today. Amen. So today we remember and celebrate Jesus' death. Not because death is necessarily a joyful moment or an easy path, but because in Jesus' death, Jesus sees you. On the cross, Jesus saw. He saw people. And not just saw them, but he responded to them. You know, he saw his mother and responded. He saw John and responded. He saw us. And he also saw the thief next to him. I'm going to read to you from Luke 23. So some context here is that I'm sure you're aware there's three crosses, Jesus in the middle, and on either side there are two thieves, robbers, criminals. And Matthew 27 tells us that the robbers who were crucified with him were ridiculing him the same way that everybody was. They were giving it to him. And then we come to the account in Luke's Gospel, chapter 23 and from 39 says this. One of the criminals who was hanging railed at him saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving our due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. In essence, he says, Jesus, do you see me? Do you see me? And Jesus says to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I see you. I see you. I find this an intriguing story. A criminal that we don't know a lot about except for the fact that he was convicted and sentenced to die with Jesus on a cross. But he's seen by Jesus. You know, one minute he is facing death and darkness and an eternal destination without God, disconnected from God, and then in a blink of an eye, he's in paradise with God enjoying all that is the kingdom of heaven. His suffering turns into celebration. His destiny is transformed, turned upside down and reoriented in an instant. How? <laughs> I do wrestle with this. Why? I mean, as far as we know, 
He wasn't a churchgoer. He wasn't part of a mission or ministry team. He didn't attend Bible study or give financially to the church. He wasn't baptized or filled with the Spirit or earned any brownie points in volunteering. He didn't speak in tongues. He'd never said the sinner's prayer. And he never sang a single note in worship. He didn't jump through any religious hoops, follow the four spiritual laws, or understand his spiritual gifts. Hadn't done that course yet. He didn't serve anyone but himself. And yet, here we find the scandalous, outrageous, mind-boggling truth that he was seen and served and saved. This criminal, one minute, is ridiculing Jesus. And the next minute is going to kingdom paradise. How is that possible? How is that fair? (laughs) I ask myself. I mean, it doesn't really fit into any kind of religious theology or church membership criteria or traditional views of who's in and who's out. It's kind of astounding. And I asked myself this week, if that story was the only story that the church knew, how different would our churches be? If that was our story. Now, don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying or implying that Bible study or baptism or serving or giving or loving well or being part of a community or worship are not important, they're not valued and they're not taught by Jesus. They are. They're an important part of what it means to follow Jesus and we must follow Jesus. But what I am saying and certainly what I've been wrestling with is that according to Jesus, these are not requirements of being served, seen, and welcomed in by Jesus. And there's part of me that loves that, and there's part of me that resists that. Because I want those very clear, easy-defined ways of being in and being out. But part of me loves it. That inclusiveness, that generosity, that kindness, that moment. That moment. Where in essence, all this criminal said was, do you see me? Jesus. Jesus doesn't go through the four spiritual laws with her, invite him to say the sinner's prayer. He just says, I see you. And because I see you, today you will be in paradise. Now, 
it's kind of outrageous, right? A bit scandalous. But that's the Jesus we follow. He is pretty outrageous. For whatever reason, and we don't know enough, and it's interesting, when I did my kind of Google research, um, trying to get all these other people's ideas and opinions about what they thought of the thief on the cross, I was fascinated by how many people make up narrative. And it's probably normal, right? Like, oh yeah, he must have been baptised under John. Okay, how do you know that? Oh, I'm just saying. That fits my theology, so he must have been. Okay. We don't know anything. Not even his name. But for whatever reason, the thief has this change of heart. Maybe it was like, well, I've got nothing to lose here. I'm about to die. I may as well give this Jesus guy a crack. I don't know. But for whatever reason, he has to change his heart, heart and he cries out in his final moments, Jesus, do you see me? And even in the midst of his own pain, his own suffering, his own torture, his own grief, Jesus replies, yes, I see you. How good does it feel to be seen? Truly seen. Noticed and known acknowledged and embraced, included and elevated, lifted up and celebrated. We all deeply desire to be seen. I know I do. Do you feel seen? Regardless of your story, your journey, your past, or your present, you are seen. And his seeing isn't just watching. It's more powerful than simply noticing you. It's deeper than an observation. You know, it's not like Jesus, I observe you. There you are. It's not just being seen, it's being known in the seeing. When he sees me, he knows me. He listens, he pays attention, he comes alongside. He is present in the seeing. Even in his silence, he is not absent. When he sees me, he feels what I feel. He hears my heart. The beats, the rhythms, the brokenness, the expectation. He connects with my whispering, with my questions, with my quietness. When he sees me, he responds with love, compassion, 
and kindness. When he sees me, he draws near and says, I see you. He sees me. Me. Little old me. With all my good and bad and beautiful and ugly. And he says, come to me. He says, I am with you. He says, I see you. So on this Good Friday, I want to remind you of two things. One is an encouragement and one is a challenge. The first thing is you are seen. And in that seeing, you are known. You are loved. And you are embraced. He sees you, he serves you, and he welcomes you. And secondly, in our being seen, we must now also see others. As we follow Jesus, we must also act like Jesus in the way we see others. Regardless of who they are, where they've been, what they've done, where they're from, their views, their beliefs, and even their behaviors, we are called to see them. To truly see them without judgment, without bias, and without conditions. The church also needs to say, I see you. I serve you. And I welcome you. In the same way that Jesus responded to the thief on the cross, I see you, I serve you, and I welcome you. The church now must live that out. It's more than an observation. The church needs to stop observing and start seeing. I see you, I serve you, and I welcome you. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this narrative, this reminder of how you see us. And it's transformative that the beauty in your affliction is that we are seen and served and saved, that we are welcomed in. And I pray that we would be 
reminded of how you see us today. That even on the cross, in your space and moment of darkness and suffering and pain that you saw, you served and you saved. And in response to that, may we live that out in the way that we see and serve and welcome the world around us and one another. That they will know that we are followers of Jesus by our love. Amen.